listening to ATO Talks Radio, Atlanta's number one streaming talk radio station. My name is Barrington Martin II, and this is the Barrington Report. Please, 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 please forgive me for my tardiness this evening. I had a lot of things to do this evening before I logged on to the airwaves and to Twitter, or X as they like to call it these days, for you all. But I am here, and I'm ready to educate and give you all something New to think about this weekend and until you hear me again next Thursday here on ATL Talks Radio. You can listen to ATL Talks Radio on Apple, Google App, Alexa, Apple CarPlay, and of course, www.atltalks.com. Please stay tuned after my show for more programming. Please log on to um, ATL Talks to learn about all the other wonderful talent that comes on every day around this time you can hear on ATL Talks Radio. Now, last week and I won't be I won't be with you all long. This is going to be a, a quick lecture. Next week is going to be my more longer in-depth lecture on this. But last week we talked about the introduction to nationalism and I gave you guys insight on why nationalism is important and I gave you guys insight on why I believe and why I feel that um nationalism is entirely important to the sustaining and the future of the United States of America. So I'm going to give you guys a quick recap of what nationalism is. Then we're going to talk about the history of nationalism. Then I'm going to talk about a special aspect of nationalism that occurred in Germany a long time ago, but I'm not going to talk about that guy. However, I'm going to talk about one of his colleagues and a book that his colleague wrote that is very vital in understanding nationalism itself. Now, I know you guys know of the era that I'm speaking of, but in this day and age and currently with the things that are taking place right now in the world and that have been taking place for the last 60, 70 years, I strongly believe it is important to outline alternative perspectives, um, not to historical events, but in respect to the way things are now and how to view those things and possible solution as to how to basically get through these things and actually create the country and the nation that we are attempting to create. So nationalism, as a reminder to you all, is an ideology that emphasizes loyalty, devotion, and or allegiance to a nation or nation state. What's good? What's good, my brother, for logging in? Thank you for logging in to me. Again, nationalism is an ideology that emphasizes loyalty, devotion, or allegiance to a nation or nation state and holds that such obligations outweigh after individual, other, excuse me, individual or group interests. So remember, guys, nationalism is placing the nation before oneself. Nationalism is placing the nation before one's identity or beliefs. That is very important to understand. Nationalism is a set of beliefs about the nation, its origins, nature, and value. For nationalists, they are particular social animals. On one hand, their lives are structured by a profound sense of togetherness and similarity. They share languages and memories. On the other hand, their lives are characterized by deep divisions and differences. They draw borders and contest historical narratives. Very important 
in this day and age of contesting historical narratives. For nationalism, humanity is neither a single species-wide community nor an aggregation of individuals, but divided into distinct and unique nations. At the heart of nationalism are claims about their identity and needs as social animals that form the basis of a series of normative claims. To answer the question, what should I do or how should I live, one must first answer the questions, who am I and where do I belong? Again, for those who are joining me right now, we're talking about nationalism. I'm giving you guys insight on last week, which was an introduction to nationalism and why I strongly believe nationalism is going to be or needs to be the future of the United States in order for the United States to be the country that we know it can be and should be and the country that it was said to be but has been totally underachieving since its inception. Like I said earlier on today, I'm going to give you guys a brief history of nationalism. We're going to talk about some relatively controversial things, but I'm going to bring it all together next week for next week's show and basically painting the picture of how a United States nationalism will be. Nationalism says that our membership in a nation takes precedence and ultimately must guide our choices and actions. In terms of guiding choice and action, nationalist thought proposes a specific form of partiality. Rather than treat the interests or claims of persons and groups impartially, the nationalist demands that one favors one's own either as a group or individual persons. While nationalism does not claim to be the only form of partiality, it does claim to outrank all others. Loyalty or obligations to other groups or identities are subordinated to national loyalty. Together, these claims function as a political ideology. So this means that you put aside your race, you put aside your sexual identity, you put aside your gender and your sex, you put aside your religion, you put aside all those things for the nation and the nation comes first. All those other things are subordinates to the premier top of the pyramid, which is the nation. And this is something that we don't see in America these days, ladies and gentlemen. We don't understand that our government doesn't work for us. We don't understand about our own civics within our own nation. And in turn, every election period, we play favorites. We see who our favorite team is. We place a party above another party. We state that we have enemies. We state that our fellow countrymen is our enemy in spite of the fact that we all share this land together. And this is why ultimately nationalism is going to be the thing or the ideology that's going to, in my opinion, deliver America from its woes. Now, I'm going to delve a little bit into the history of nationalism because I think it's important to set the tone or set an understanding for where it's been and where it needs to be today. The first full manifestation of modern nationalism occurred in the 17th century England in the Puritan Revolution. England had become the leading nation in scientific spirit and commercial enterprise and in political thought and activity. Swelled by an immense confidence in the new age, the English people felt upon their shoulders the mission of history, a sense that they were at a great turning point from which a new truth reformation and a new liberty would start. Doesn't that sound familiar? In my estimation, we are at that age again. Every major civilization has had a reformation or some sort of renaissance period where 
they either did away with the old thought and welcomed the new or they completely revitalized their nation and their understanding of themselves and what their nation should be. And this, in my opinion, is our or is, excuse me, where we at the precipice of. Where am I? In the English Revolution, an optimistic humanism emerged with Calvinist ethics and the influence of the Bible gave form to the new nationalism by identifying the English people with ancient Israel. Now, I feel that this is very interesting, ladies and gentlemen, simply because in every single um, renaissance or every single um, reformation period, you see that it is always or it, it possesses a foundation in religion. And I understand that. And this is because Religion and morality continues to be tethered together by basically everyone in the society. And this has basically been, in my opinion, the understanding of human nature in respect to these things. But I, I strongly believe that religion is not necessarily needed to be moral. Religion is simply a belief that's predicated on um, a culture or history, so to speak, or a passed down history, whether it's from verbally passed down or whether it's from a book, i.e. the Bible, i.e. the Quran, or a lot of ancient texts. However, I think that morality is instinctual within humans. What I mean by this is I don't need religion to know that I shouldn't kill. I don't need religion to know that I shouldn't steal. I don't need religion to basically be a good person. However, what we will notice especially in nationalist thought or political thought, especially a long time ago, that a lot of morality has been closely tied to religion. And this is um, the beginning stages of creating a nation is creating a central belief of culture and values that basically has a foundation in religion. And I think that if we are human beings, if we are the sentient beings that's at the top of the food chain, I think that we don't necessarily need beliefs to be a good nation or to be a cohesive nation. I just think that we have to have the same types of culture and values embedded within our nation, if that makes sense. English nationalism then was thus much nearer to its religious matrix from matrix, excuse me, than later nationalisms that rose after secularization had made greater progress. Remember, you guys, I'm keep telling you guys this. You're going to see this come up a lot. You're going to see this come up so much um, within the nationalist talk is that it's going to be closely tied to religion. And I think that because there's so many cultures and understanding of, of uh, religion in today's society, it kind of sort of makes the uniformity that needs to be had in cultural and values um, to be all over the place. But essentially, if we are able to have a cohesive understanding of the values that we need in this country and the culture that needs to be established in this country, we won't necessarily need to have a religion or even a state religion that everybody has to believe in. I believe that people can still believe in what they want to believe in from a religious perspective. And this is the most challenging part, especially as I go through this history. But ultimately, I think that if we take a much modernized um, thought process in thinking about this critically, that we can totally leave aside the archaic frameworks that nationalism once had that in being based in religion. Furthermore, 
The nationalism of the 18th century shared with it, however, its enthusiasm for liberty. We see this a lot, too. Its humanitarian character, its emphasis upon individual rights, upon the human community, as above all national divisions. The rise of English nationalism coincided with the rise of English trading middle classes. It found its final expression in John Locke's political philosophy, and it was in that form that influenced American and French nationalism in the following century. I have to say this, and this may be off going off on the tangent. In me um, revising my thought processes about um, the American Revolution, but specifically our founding fathers, I had to really ask myself, do I really believe that rich men from Britain came over here to make life better for everybody, or did they make life better for themselves or people like them? And the reason I'm saying that is because we really have to start taking into account the history that has been told to us or the narrative of the histories that have been told to us. I think it makes more sense to look at things logically and then to trace our way back from that to basically create the type of nation or the type of, uh, the type of um, culture of the nation that we aim to have. Because I think the more that we actually critically scrutinize many of the stories that we've been told about our past or the mythos about our past. Remember, you guys, I use that word a lot. The more that we break down the mythos of our country, we can see that it's a lot of holes in that story. Ultimately, when you look at the mythos of America, it's always been liberty. It's always um, been freedom and things of that nature. However, when you look at what America is today, we don't possess the same liberties that we once had. Yes, America is the best place to be in the world in respect to, to comparisons of other nations but when you think about what america is supposed to be or what america says she is america has not yet proven herself to be the nation that she is at least not in my lifetime again again it is better much better than any other place to be but when you look at what our better is supposed to be you should understand that our better is not the best it should be if that makes sense i hope you guys stand with me American nationalism was a type, excuse me, American nationalism was a typical product of the 18th century. British settlers in North America were influenced partly by the tradition of the Puritan Revolution and the ideas of Locke and partly by the new rational interpretation given to English liberty by contemporary French philosophers. American settlers became a nation engaged in a fight for liberty and individual rights. You're going to see this come up over and over and over again. And this is ultimately embedded within the American mythos. They base that fight on current political thought, especially as expressed by Thomas Jefferson and Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine is probably, side note, one of my favorite philosophers. He's the original T. Paine in my book. It was a liberal and humanitarian nationalism that regarded America as in the vanguard of humankind on its march to greater liberty, equal equality and happiness for all. The ideas of the 18th century found their first political realization in the Declaration of Independence and in the birth of the American nation. Their deep influence was felt in the French Revolution. Now, we know what happens from here, right? Now, when we fast forward and we look at what was going on in Europe, um, within the early 1900s, specifically in the German area, you see that nationalism takes off, especially in uh, within Germany and Italy. And oftentimes, and when I did my research on nationalism itself, you see that nationalism has always had a reputation for being fascist. And I understand that, and I kind of get why. But people don't understand what 
what um has what precedes fascism people don't know what came before fascism or how these things got their way and i think that it would be a great time to to basically give you guys an understanding on the history of that so um i'm going to read excerpts from the myth of the 20th century by alfred rosenberg now as i told you guys earlier alfred rosenberg was a um What's the word I want to use? He was in the regime of the the guy who's known to be the most hated man ever in the world. But if you look at this text and specific aspects of this text, you will see that a lot of what was going on in their time mirrors today. And I'm going to break down, or I want to break down rather, the good aspects of the nationalist ideologies that they possess. Because in spite of whatever is said, this part or this narrative or this perspective has never really been shared in this way and this is why i want to give you guys this because it's going to give you something to think about um in respect to understanding the problems of today and where those problems stem from so again guys i'm going to give you guys some excerpts from um the book entitled the myth of the 20th century by alfred rosenberg now it says at the bottom of the, t- the cover of the book, in memory of the two million German heroes who fell in the World War for a German life and a German Reich of honor and freedom. Notice that that statement itself is very nationalistic, which means that these people, above all, cared about their own people. Now, where they may have gotten extreme or gotten off track is when they embedded their own ideologies as far as race and all those other things, including race, into it. But I think that if you basically take away the negative aspects of it and keep the positive, this is something that can work in America. And what I mean by that is every American alive has to put away their identities and respect to things that don't matter as it goes or as it matters to a nation. What I mean by that is when it comes to being American, when it comes to being a patriot, your religion does not matter, your race does not matter, your gender does not matter, your sexuality does not matter. Those things do not matter. The only thing that matters is that you are a part of this land. You are an American nationalist. You should want to succeed, but not only should you not, excuse me, not only should you want to succeed, you should want your brother to succeed. You should want your sister to succeed. Not because anything else besides the fact that they are two in an American nationalist just like you. And because you were born in this land and because you're entitled to the fruits of this land, this ultimately means that your neighbor, people you don't even know, your strangers, who are strangers that is, matter just the way you matter all because you all together are american nationalists all present day struggles for power are outward effects of inward collapse i'm gonna repeat that listen to this guys all present day struggles for power are outward effects of an inward collapse all state systems of 1914 have already collapsed even if in part they still formally exist collapse also have social church and ideological creeds and values no highest principle no supreme idea governs undisputed the life of folks group struggles against group party after party against party national values against international dogmas rigid 
imperialism against spreading pacifism. Finance with its golden meshes swallows states and folk economy becomes nomadic. Life is uprooted. Beautiful people, this is something we are witnessing right now in the West. And this gentleman was speaking about this in the early 1900s. These are the same things that were occurring back in the past and we are seeing it again the only difference is we don't have the same reactions to the way those people had in the past why because we are more divided than we have ever been and we are divided on the account of things that do not matter at the end of the day now um i skip bits and pieces of this particular text because it is very interesting and i basically pulled out the things that relate to today and um, just the ideologies and the philosophy of the solutions to those things. And as you read this book and as you read this particular text, of course, you're going to see the, um, the things that jump out to you that they tell you are bad things. But the question is, why did these people feel the way that they felt? I say that because we always say that history repeats itself. We always say, um, or we always speak about people negatively because they feel certain things. But we never, ever ask the question of why do these people feel the way that they feel? Why do these people have the mindset or have the disposition that they feel towards whoever they feel feel it against? And if you read these texts and you read these alternate perspectives, it gives you a better insight on actually what was happening around then, but it also sheds light on the things that we don't know and that's not told within the common narrative of our society. The true socialism of social democracy clearly services in that there is an untroubled continuation of the literal enslavement of an entire folk over many decades through continuation of the pawning of all still existing values with their subjugation on the dictates of international finance. We see this right now. We see this right now within the banking industry, within the world. There is a global banking cartel that is enslaved everyone living in the West or in the world even. We see this with the establishment of central banks. We see this with the establishment of the Federal Reserve. We see this with the establishment of usury. We see this with the establishment, um, especially in 2008, with um, predatory lending. We see this has, has been happening. It has, it has been going on. But when you look back, you see that this is not different and people have been dealing with these same problems before. True socialism Further consists in that the decent creative folk are delivered into the hands of degenerate theater and film propaganda, which knows only three heroic types, the prostitute, the pimp, and the criminal. We see this today too, guys. Look at our art. What has art been reduced to? What has TV has been reduced to? What has music reduced to? A lot of what we, or what has been sacred before, that has given us meaning as human beings that has um, tugged at our heartstrings that has uh, motivated us or inspired us no longer inspires us because it is controlled with degeneracy and, and degenerate imagery. I can account to this because as a fan of rap music, that's all it is, pure degeneracy. You actually have to search and look for the uplifting, the inspiring, the magical art form that makes you want to go out and make a change or make a difference, even if it's in your own personal life. We don't have this anymore. 
This is what this particular passage is talking about. Everything that we are going through today, other people have went through it. The only difference is they had a much more homogenous nation, so they were able to react to it a little bit differently than we are. Now, we don't have a homogenous nation, and that's okay, but we are all over the place in respect to culture and values that we possess, and that's not right. The true socialism of the Marxist leadership, in effect, consists in that the little man is flung into jail for a small misdemeanor, whereas the big swindler walks away free, just as here, here too, this had been the cultivated view of the most influential circles around democracy and social democracy. Haven't we seen this? Haven't people had an issue with the president's son and how he's beginning to slap on the wrist while people have been going to jail for far lesser crimes? Haven't we seen this occur with the middle class and the lower class um, being given substantial jail time for things that you really shouldn't go to jail for? Meanwhile, um, the upper class and the higher, the much higher upper class of criminals just get away with a slap on their fist and a fine? Do you not see, again, people, that history doesn't repeat itself? And as I tell you guys over and over again, as I said this two episodes ago, is that history doesn't repeat itself because people don't know history. History repeats itself because human nature is finite. It never changes. Whatever a human being did 100 years ago, a human is going to continue to do it 100 years from that and 100 years from that. There's nothing new under the sun. The whole of Marxism has revealed itself as was unavailable as disintegrating of every organic community in favor of alien nomadic instincts. It must therefore regard a new foundation and the taking root of such focusedly socialistic style form, forming, feeling as an attack upon its existence. Now, the interesting thing that occurred when I was reading this particular book is that it totally um, looked at socialism or it broke down socialism much differently than what we define socialism as. Now, I won't tempt. I won't attempt to give socialistic or socialism type rather um, solutions, but in really reading what they define socialism as, um, it was very interesting because it did not possess the, the negatives, so to speak, that people speak about socialism today. But I really feel like when people speak about socialism in today's age, they're speaking about Marxism. And of course, this piece had a lot of negative things to say about Marxism. Furthermore, Marxism and liberalism today find themselves among the entire front in a disorderly regard action. For many decades, it was regarded as particularly progressive to speak only of humanity, to be world citizens, and to reject the racial question as retrogressive. Now, all of these illusions are not only politically disposed of, but the ideology upon which they are based has become brittle, and it will not be long until it collapses completely in the souls of those who, although misled, are still at some degree healthy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is happening right now. Remember all of the sayings um, that we've learned over the past 20 years 
about being about globalism, about being a melting pot, about all of these things that basically being inclusive, equity, all of these things are under the same umbrella. And as this piece is showing or as in within this particular piece, it is telling us that at some point in time it will falter. And in 2024, just about 100 years later, we are seeing this. We are seeing this at first hand. This has been one of the most eye-opening pieces I have ever read in my life, simply because the way history was perpetuated about Germany and about the, these people on this side of the political spectrum has always demonized them and has always looked at them as evildoers. But when you actually peel back the layers and you understand their nationalism, there is something to learn and there is something to take from the type of nationalism that they possess. Again, when you guys hear me say these things, I am not praising the negative aspects. I'm doing what anyone should do when they receive information. You analyze the source of the information and you analyze the information itself. You keep the good parts and you throw away the negative parts that you don't need or that you don't care for. But you can learn something from everyone, including the people, including the ideologies that are foreign to you or the ideologies that you feel are bad for you. But ultimately, this is a lesson in that you cannot judge a book by its cover in respect to philosophy. You have to do your due diligence. You have to peel back the layers into understanding the things um, that you're trying to discover or where you're trying to get at. Now, as I stated um, before, I'm going to give you guys next week an in-depth, true insight on what I believe are necessary tools of American nationalism that can change this country around. If in, if in essence, it's going to be like another platform, but I'll call it the nationalistic platform, where ultimately it's going to be America first. Now, as I stated, I won't, I've been going for about 30 minutes, and I think I want to finish here because this is all the history that you guys needed um, to get a basic understanding of where we're going to go. And um, I'm probably going to touch on this a little bit more, on this specific piece a little bit more next week when I create the solutions around nationalism in respect to America. And we're going to go forward from there. And then I'm going to show and I'm going to utilize current events and show you guys how the solutions proposed by me within this framework is going to deliver the American public in this nation from all of the social ills that we are basically experiencing today. You're listening to your talks radio and line that's number one streaming talk radio station. This is the Barrington report. I am Barrington Martin the second. I want to thank you beautiful people for listening to me again, this wonderful Thursday evening. I'm extremely humble and I'm extremely thankful that you guys take the time to listen to me. Um, I hope you guys do something you enjoy this weekend. I hope you guys love on the people that loves you. And remember, if you are going to love anyone, remember that 
you must first learn to love yourself. Now, for the beautiful people that are just tuning in, I know I'm getting off a little bit quicker than normal, but I'm going to put this show up on my Substack. If you have not yet subscribed, please subscribe. That's barrington.substack.com. Again, that's barrington.substack.com. Again, you're listening to ATL Talks Radio, Atlanta's number one streaming talk radio station. This will be posted all over Twitter so you guys can listen and prepare for next week which is part three, which is of the American nationalism series. I appreciate you guys for listening. I didn't want to go too long tonight because there's a lot for me to cover next week. And remember, please, 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 please love yourself. Learn to love yourself so you can love others. I will see you guys next Thursday. Um, Be on the lookout. I got some more pieces of writing that you guys are going to enjoy. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Please enjoy your weekend. Peace.